Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, we'd love to tell you what this podcast is about, but the truth is, we don't know. The CW Pod, at home on IOI Everywhere. From the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed, seedsmanship at work. Hello, hope you guys had an awesome Independence Day, whatever you're out there doing. I have all limbs. It's amazing how many people have asked me that today. Chris, did you lose a finger? No, I'm good. We're here for the CW pod. Really excited about today's guest. I think he's a guy that you guys are going to see again. I feel like we got a lot in common and that Sam Summers, the brains behind Hinterland, Iowa, is he's my guest today. And Sam and I had coffee one time. I mean, I've known you for a while, but we never really sat down to like talk right yeah but we got like 30 minutes into this and it was kind of like oh my god we should do a podcast together yeah it was it was one of those things where <laughs> you, you talk with somebody and you're just like shotgunning ideas back and forth and you're <laughs> like okay this is this is a lot so let's just, well we yeah. kind of do the same thing it's just in different industries right exactly yeah yep. so we'll get into all that today uh want to thank our friends we are in the channel seed studio here in ankeny Thanks to our friends at Channel Seed. I'm looking forward. I'm going to go and speak to them here in a couple weeks up at one of their golf tournaments. Love seeing the channel uh, signs and all the crops. Saw a bunch on my way to work here today, so we appreciate their sponsorship. And, of course, Circa and Circa Sports Iowa just got all the tickets booked to be out there for week zero for the college football season, hanging out at Circa in the world's greatest sports book. You should join me as well. Or you could just download the app at Circa Sports Iowa on your smartphone device. So Sam is the brains behind Hinterland Iowa, but you also do a lot more. You own um, bars. Uh, you own the barcade thing. Yeah. Up down. Yeah. Yeah. So up down. Um, so like, did were those a thing? nationally or did you come up with that idea no they had started it just it hadn't blown up everywhere right uh, okay um you know it was kind of a play on the you know the old arcades right? do you own the kansas city one yeah. yeah so i've been to that one yeah like i didn't know that's one of my favorite locations that, yeah because it's so. right in the area where during the big 12 tournament and i've walked over to a, a handful of times yeah we're down there in crossroads just south of the arena i've been to one in denver that is uh, one up. That's not us. They do oh, that's not you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're we're in mostly Midwest cities. You know, Minneapolis. We're, we moved down to the South, Nashville, Oklahoma City. So, yeah. Do you like our NBA that's Jam good. machine I that saw we got that here? when I came in? You, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one, man. What would you recommend? Because I wanted to get a second one to kind of even out the room. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, do you have space for a pinball? 
I, I think you get. I think you could put a. Pinball I think we in this could. Corner. We could do the pinball. Yeah, That's get, the go-to. Get like a Metallica pinball, or you know, Adam's family. That's All right. Well, Sam owns up down in downtown Des Moines, so go and support them and check that out. But yeah, I was like, I was wondering about that because it's like a very bars certainly are not niche, mm-hmm. but a a barcade seems like. Did you? Where was the first one that you? walked in and then you're like, oh man, this is a really good idea. I need to jump on this train. So we had, uh, I was at my bachelor party in Vegas and uh, um, as every good story starts out. Let's go. Uh, So downtown downtown Vegas, they had an arcade bar that was more of like a club vibe. And, you know, we, we thought we could do something that was a little bit more laid back, chill, you know, play music that we play in our clubs, right? You know, that we do. It, we, so we opened it next door to Woolies, which is, we had opened the year before. Yeah. Um, and just played music that we liked and made it a little bit more chill and less aggressive. And yeah, I mean, the games really, like during the week, people come and play the games and on the weekends, it almost turns into just kind of like a, a prop, you know, people around, they like to have the games around and the noise and they're just hanging out at the bar. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. The so you the Woolies thing's interesting. I mean, last time I was at Woolies was for the DMX concert. Oh yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. That was a hell of a time. And then Rest in peace. I got invited X invited me to his after party that night. Have you ever heard this? <laughs> no. Did you go? God's honest truth, yeah. Wow. So me and the guys I was with, we didn't know we went to a bar around around Wally's afterwards. We go outside. We were heading over to Ernie's, actually. Yeah. And DMX is just walking by. And I, you know, I'm not going to, I got to take this opportunity. Yo, X! You know, and he comes over and take a picture. And and he, yo, dog, after party. You know, and he invited us. And we went there. And it was one of the more interesting couple hours of my life. That was that at Locust Tap. No, no, okay. Some place that went on to get closed down because there was a shooting there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know what you're talking. Near Ernie's. Yeah, right around. Like because yeah. we were walking to Ernie's That's when right. we saw X, and he invites us to this place, and we go there, and it was really just. Everything I didn't want to be associated with. Yeah. I mean, I love this guy's music, but I really didn't want to do be at this party. with. Like, I just, because I have two two daughters. I was going to say, there's probably a lot of girls and, you know. Well, like, and I, I'm just like, he's this old man yeah. at this point. Right. This is right before he died. Mm-hmm. He comes to Des Moines, which was great. I was like, it was such a fun concert. Sounded really good. Yeah. And he was doing like all of his hits, but he would do like one verse. Yep. And then you know, you know, you're all standing up and singing, whatever. But it was all the it, it's DMX. He's all gray. He's got a huge belly, and it's these like twenty five year old girls. It just was really, really awkward. Like I, I didn't even stay that long. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the not fun part of touring, <laughs> or fun for some, I suppose. But, oh, yeah, man, it's like man, he's still he's still trying to do this. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a bummer that he. Uh, because he was trying to like clean up his life and stuff, it sounded like, and and then he just died. Yeah, I, you wonder if like going from not doing anything to, to doing to going touring again, it, it takes a toll. I'm sure, right? Like, how do, how does that? How do you book those? Because I, 
I want to get into hinterland. Yeah. But I feel like that's a little bit of a different deal than when you're booking Woolies, right? Yeah. So so typically with Woolies, you know, we hold a calendar and then, you know, the agents for these artists will reach out, say they're playing through, you know, the Midwest. They want a, a date at Woolies and then we'll give them an offer and maybe they'll confirm. Is that all you or do you have like so a I've team? I've got people that work for me. So Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. But like, are it, like, does it all... Are you the only like music scout or do you have no. pe- do you have people be like, hey, I think this would do well? We we have, you know, especially with how many new bands there are, you know, it's nice to have, you know, some other people that listen to those specific genres. So we have a guy that does like heavy music, metal, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Uh, then we have a guy, um, you know, he, he's just younger. Right. So he knows like these newer artists that are that are coming out. Um, I the only really the only way you can keep up on things is is to either one trust that the agents are selling you good things or listen to it and consume it yourself. And so I'm, I've removed myself from like socials. <laughs> so like, I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of this content anymore. So I have to have people that work for me that are. That's smart. Yeah. I mean, I even like me having Aiden and Matt Van Winkle and I got guys like us. We're not like the spry young guys anymore. Right. Well, I mean, even like what's on TikTok now, like, you know, my daughter will watch these YouTube shorts and there'll be these yeah. songs on. And I'll be like, what is that song? You know, and then, you know, I've written it down. It's like, OK, Gail. Right. Like these things that are, are getting played constantly. These new YouTube artists are just massive. I mean, well, and then what your personal taste is differs. Isn't everybody yeah. else's now? What, what's the most popular? What do you guys like? You know, you book it for Woolies. This thing's going to sell out. Yeah. Is there like a genre that is hot right now? You know, honestly, kind of like this suburban hip hop is has had a really good run the last huh. like 10 years, right? Started with like a Mac Miller, Wiz Khalifa, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's still going. Yeah. You know, I, I say that's, it's probably, it leans high school, you know? Um, but yeah, like Travis Scott, Lil Uzi Vert. I mean, there's new ones every year and it just hasn't slowed down. How much music do you listen to a week? Um, not very much. Uh, you know, I, I, in, in my car, I, um, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm listening to a lot of like hinterland stuff right now. Yeah. Just because I'm trying to get in the, the vibe, you know, into the mood yeah. and everything and get myself rolling. So listen to a lot of Zach Bryan, um, Tyler Childers, you know, mostly stuff that I'm booking at hinterland. You got me. Actually, Aiden did the Zach Bryan deal. Yeah. They, they kept good. telling me as we're doing the reads for the on two guys named Chris. Everybody kept telling me, hey, because I'm an open book. People have listened yeah. to me for years. They know what I like. And everybody kept telling me this Zach Bryan is going to be my guy. Yeah. I'm locked in now. Yeah. He's fantastic. Oh, it's it's really good. And he's like, he's a super like endearing human too. So yeah. I think it's just like people can't get enough. He seems it. very authentic. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I, I remember when I saw him, he played, so he played our first Tenterland. He filled in for, um, or not our first, but his first year of touring he played at hinterland he replaced uh tanya tucker um it was a year after covid and he had just gotten out of the military gotten his papers his release papers 10 years or 10 days prior um in san fran and he came did hinterland um his set i just remember like he he messed up a couple times on guitar and stuff and he just has this like charismatic like like oh he's one of us you know <laughs> yeah and and then like i think that's what made him so big it's like i told his agent because we we've been I'm I'm pretty tight with his agent. We've we just talked over 
over the years and I'm just like, this is like, this is going to pass all this stuff that's happening right now. This is going for Garth, right? Like this is going to be yeah. on the Garth level. And, um, and you know, I think that's it's super ambitious, but I mean, I, knowing what he's going to be doing next summer, you know, and going into the stadiums, I mean, that's quick, you know, that's like three years from clubs to stadiums. So not to say he's the only one to do it, but yeah. So I have so much to get to on this. Yeah. I guess let's start with Hinterland and where it all came from. So yeah. the background of this thing is you're at Waterworks, right? That's right. Floods? Yeah. Yep. And you got to move it. Yep. How in the hell do we get this thing to St. Charles, Iowa? And then we'll decipher how yeah. it got to the point where it is. But where did that idea come from? Yeah. There, you know, so, um, well, Backing up just a little bit, you know, we, we put together Hinterland, which was, we, I told my staff, I was like, this is just a concert with more bands, right? We're not a festival. We're just, we're all day long worth of bands and just try, try to keep it, you know, we're tying everybody into the center stage. Everybody's watching stuff that's on the main stage. We're curating a lineup. They don't have to run around from stage to stage. They can just hang out. Um, so I knew what was doing well in the market also happened to be what I liked, right? Like mm -hmm. Shaky Graves, um, you know, Brandy Carlisle, Edward Sharp, you know. Um, so to me, those those artists were all pretty similar or adjacent, you know, like Americana type music. So we put together this lineup, um, put it at Waterworks 2015. And, um, you know, we it was in August. And I remember leading up to it, there was a country festival that was supposed to be out there with Eric Church. That flooded out in June, and I was, you know, getting a little nervous. Just, but I knew it was August, and historically August is pretty dry. Mm -hmm. So that all clears up. Then we get to this point where it just starts raining the week before the festival. Fortunately, I had formulated a backup plan. I sort of, I had, I had a venue down in St. Charles that, you know, wanted us to come take a look at it. I had made contact. I was like, okay, we're gonna have this as a backup. You know, let's put our proper insurances in place so that we can if we do need to move it, that we can like do it, you know, this is our first year where, you know, so it doesn't crush us. And so we had all those things lined up and then it just started raining and it wouldn't stop. And, um, <laughs> in August and, and I'm, I remember up till Wednesday, which is like, it's hilarious thinking that Wednesday is when we're loading in our stage, but up till Wednesday in my mind, we were still doing it here. It was going to dry out. You know, I, you know, no one had really like, we hadn't really, it really hadn't like come to us that this wasn't happening here. And so the bus driver pulled up with the, the stage and he's like, I'm not parking my stage in that field. It's wet, you know? And, and he just wouldn't do it. So I, like, I was at that point, I'm like, okay, well, this is, it's, it's go time. Let's get this moved. So we, you know, pulled together the team, all got in a room, went over everything. You know, meanwhile, there's people just running stuff down to St. Charles and, you know, one of the memories I have is just driving heavy machinery that I didn't know how to use out of Waterworks <laughs> Park so yeah. that it wouldn't flood. Right. And so we got all that out, got it all moved, you know, within two days. And then, you know, one of the artists, uh, Edward Sharp, played the first day. Um, he, he made some comment like, you know, I, I never would have known that it was wasn't supposed to be here, you know. And so I was like, oh, dang, we did a really That's, good job. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, looking back that like at what we do this year, you know, um, and in previous years, it's like, there's just no way we could be able to do that now if we're at this scale. So fortunately, we're in a place now that we love and we can stay there. Right. So it's just so unique. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, yeah, my staff, like one of my staff members texted me. He was out there. He's like, man, I just I love being out here. You know, it's like you're out. It's close enough to Des Moines where it doesn't take too long to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just peaceful and quiet. And, you know, if you camp out there, um, yeah, I mean, picture yourself just camping in a field. You don't hear much. OK, so I have read yeah. that a lot of artists really want to play yeah. this particular you call it a festival now, right? Yeah. Okay. I was kidding myself. Like that's yeah, it's a festival. I don't. It, I mean, it's just a word, but it's a lot. It's more but than a concert. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, yeah. if you sat back to kind of look at this and be like, look at what we created, and now, because what I read, yeah, was that they view it as good for their brand to play yeah. Hinterland because of just everything from the venue to the uniqueness of it. That's pretty awesome. Oh yeah, it's uh, you know we could have only hoped for that. It's not something that you can just set out to do and then do it. Just that yeah. sort of stuff just happens naturally, but it's definitely become this like, you know, tastemaker festival for these artists. Right. So particularly the, the ones that lean more country when they want a little bit less of like a straight up country, like, you know, honky tonk type crowd, they'll, they'll elect to want to play hinterland. Right. They'll tell their managers, we want to play this. Um, you know, and then some of the other artists, it's like they know that we take care of them. We value like hospitality backstage. Um, you know, it's it's literally just a dirt like ravine, but we've put in you know so many amenities and like you know we plywood the dirt, we put down um, astroturf on top of that, put tents, put air conditioning into those tents, and then they, they're like, when you that that was the kind of thing that blew my mind. I was down there eating catering last year behind the stage, and I was like, I know what this looks like underneath. And we're all sitting here and it looks like we're li- like in this crazy house. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was like, um, yeah. So anyway, back but that's like, you got to do that though. You have to. Yeah. Because otherwise they won't want to come. If, yeah. Yeah. And, and hang out and, and, yep. and then, but I would also imagine that's a small world and they'll tell their friends like, Oh, that place sucks. Don't ever that's play. Right. It. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to friends when we started this out agents in particular, and I was like, what are some things I need to keep in mind when I'm doing this festival? You know, I, I know I know how to book it, that kind of stuff. But, you know, everybody said catering. Make sure catering's good. You know, if people um, have food to eat, that's good. Then everything else seems to be good. You know, just feed what them. are those core needs, right? What's, like, do you got to do the, uh, you always hear in the olden days, like the riders? We do the riders. Those... We shop the whole thing, right? So, but yeah, there's there's always funny requests. Or, or What's at least the craziest one? You don't got to give me the artist. I'd like you to. Yeah, but you I'll have... give you the artist because um, it's not inappropriate or anything. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg, um, he requests a new TV and a new Xbox with controllers for every show. And that's because he throws the Xbox controllers <laughs> at the TV. So uh, every show will have a new one. Does it like... <laughs> That's crazy. It's on the rider. It's like, what okay, about well, I like, hope it's not broken so I can have can it. Can it be like a cheap TV? Can we get like a at the Vizio time, or? Yeah, yeah. At the time when we booked it, there there weren't those deep discounts on TVs. Oh, you know? yeah. Now it's like, okay, that's like a $500 bill, right? Okay. Um, but back then it was, we were spending $3,000 for stuff that we just hoped he didn't destroy so we could play with, you know? So. So I actually heard, I had a friend who worked at a hotel in Iowa City and this mm-hmm. was another DMX story. Oh, and basically, and this was 10, 10 to 15 years ago. And, you know, DMX wanted, you know, however many bottles of alcohol and whatever in this room and yeah, whatever. 
and he's got like this entourage. Well, the show didn't sell very well. And there were like dozens of people that had showed up for this thing. And he refused to go on stage, I guess, as the story goes. And he got pretty pissed off because they didn't do the writer right. And I guess like he just went out in Iowa City and just raised hell all night and like just made it made everybody's life miserable. Yeah. Does that sound about that, right? Yeah, that that <laughs> sounds 100% accurate for, yeah. You know, w- one thing... My you, buddy was in charge of, like, hospitality at this hotel. Yeah. And, like, it was, like, a nightmare scenario for him. Don't ever get in the way of the artists and their alcohol, you know? Um, it wouldn't be the first time that we've had a show where, like, the artist won't go on stage until they have the liquor that they either was on the writer or that they requested last minute when they got there, you know? Um that's what we found is like, if there's alcohol in there, that's serious, right? Um, there's certain <laughs> things we don't shop, you know, like, I, I, you know, cigarettes. It's like, yeah, I'm not trying to buy people cigarettes, but. Um, so like, does it like, what if, what if a guy is doing the show and he's like, I need Pappy Van Winkle or I'm <laughs> yeah. not going on. Like, and you just can't get it. It depends. Like if it what was, do you do? if it was Zach Bryan, then we would figure it out. Right. <laughs> But if it's if it's you know somebody that's sold two hundred tickets, there's going to be a really difficult conversation. Yeah, um, you know it's you, you kind of like I will bend over backwards and get anything. Like if he told me he wanted to like do a sound bath in the middle of a cornfield that I mowed down, I would absolutely do that for Zach, right? But when it comes to like or or like Tyler or somebody that's headlining, that's a key piece to the festival. Yeah, you want them to be happy. I remember, and I'll give this story because you know it. <laughs> It, it, so so we did Ryan Adams one year, okay. and um, you know it was before he had had this like cancellation thing, right? Like um, so so we I knew he liked um, arcades, like pinball in particular. So I watched this entire like hour long pinball video, all his favorite pinball, brought in a pinball, all of them. I brought in all the ones he wanted. We set it up in the venue, pipe and drape around it, made it private for him. And then uh, the the tour manager's like, oh, that's cool. That's nice of you. He's not coming in. So oh, <laughs> I was like, man. Oh, man. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that he he is notoriously like that, right? Um, you know, other other artists like they appreciate that, right? We've had artists where like maybe something wasn't perfect for them. So we've wanted, especially at Hinterland, we've wanted to like over deliver. So I know this guy came in last year, um, you know, and his partner is gonna be in town. So I was like, okay, I want to do a meal for them in the woods, you know, catered by our, our caterer, who's Tim Love. He does, like, Austin City Limits. He owns, like, 10 things down in um, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Nice restaurants. So anyway, he catered this meal for them. Like, and so I got a list from his tour manager, like, what he liked, right? Like, seafood. Yeah. Which in Iowa is obviously challenging. But we, we went, you know, got a bunch of stuff at Waterfront, made this really amazing meal for this artist that, you know, played the campfire stage right um but we i also like to take at hinterland i like to take care of the smaller artists because generally speaking the artists i'm putting on there you know are going to get bigger Mm -hmm. so then they'll you know like um they'll they'll come around again and you know they're gonna be maggie rogers in a few years and maggie played you know before and yeah it, it it's really important to take care like zach he played you know his first year he got 7500 bucks right and uh, played early in the day. Same with Tyler, you know, Childers. Yeah. They both played. All of them played early in the day, um, and and then they come back and they headline, right? So what I'm fascinated about 
is that if you look at the artists that to to your point that you've had over the years, it's like, oh yeah, I know who that guy is because, but they weren't big then, right? Yeah, it we're in this fascinating era over the last 10, 15 years or so where, because back in the day when we were kids, if they didn't play you on the radio, you were screwed. Right. Nobody was going to know who you were. And, and now, like, there's this, I don't know if this is accurate. You tell me if it's yeah. not, but, like, because I'm one of these guys, it's like, I, I love country music, but I don't listen to country radio. Sure. I don't yeah. like country radio music. And there's almost this, like, Oh yeah, if you're not like a huge radio guy, like you're gonna earn this like giant form of support. But that's like the the guys and gals you've booked over the yeah. years. And it's that's what it makes it challenging, I would say, towards the beginning, like to discover these people. Yeah. Yeah. It you know, country's a good one. Let, like let, let's look at that from a radio standpoint. Radio is still super important for country artists. Um, maybe not the ones you or I listen to, but you know the ones that are like the Morgan Wallens and the, this like massive stuff that it's still a machine. Like it's still on, on people's farm trucks, right? Like yeah. in the offices and whatnot. Well, the stuff that I'm booking is not played on radio, right? Like Sturgill Simpson went outside the CMAs and like, you know, did some protest songs. So great. Yeah. So like there's, there's plenty of artists that aren't on radio, but that's almost their thing too. You know, like it's like this like anti Nashville, like, um, the, and, and, and that whole genre has been like, it's pretty. It's been pretty fun to watch how big it's gotten. You know, like Tyler is, Tyler Childers or, or Zach or, or you know, when I talk about going to stadiums now, that's on the level of a Morgan Wallen, maybe yeah. even bigger. You know, and they did all that organically, um, and before radio was even part of the story. Yeah, I've enjoyed the the show Yellowstone has kind of promoted yes. some of these people. Yeah, yeah, it's Yellowstone. Cool. Yellowstone has. Um, brought a lot of those like you know cody Jenks style um you know uh, what's the who's the guy that plays walker um there's shane smith is one of them um heard of him i don't watch the show yeah um i i know the artists when they're played there's a guy who's one of the cowboys who i listen to all the time and i can't think of his name right now but yeah but you know and honestly um kevin costner too had a um he had a he has a band, right? We've booked them. I booked them at People's Court. I booked them at yeah, the Surf Ballroom. Ryan Bingham. That's oh, Ryan Bingham. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. yeah, he's like one of the. I mean, not a main character, but he's yeah. in like every episode. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm going after him for next year. Um. So, oh. So he, yeah. He he's gone like you know, his trajectory has changed over the last few years. Like right. Like just kind of steady grow, and then since Yellowstone, that's a that's a great example. He's just gone like yeah exponential. Right. And and so someone like him, you know, previous years, it'd be like earlier in the day, midday. And now we're looking at him for main support. You know, he's great. We, we did him at Hoyt. Really good. Stuff. Um, He's been an actor for a while. He was in some other movie. Um, Yeah. A while back. But do yeah. you have you ever worked with and then I want to get to the more of the business stuff. Here. Yeah. But one of my all time favorite artists, probably top three is Jamie Johnson. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the kind of guy that screams that. He's great. Yeah. He might be a little too honky tonk for Hinterland, but yeah. like, but he's a guy to me like where he just never kind of fit the Nashville Absolutely. mold. But yeah. he's got more talent than you know five of those guys out there combined. Hundred percent. Yeah, we've we've done a Jamie show. We did it last last year, two years ago, two years ago with Whiskey Myers. Um, I went to the Hoyt Waterworks. Sherman one. Yeah, this one was There's... at Waterworks. It was like the year after COVID, twenty twenty one. Got it. Um and. 
yeah, those those fans like to drink. That was a big one. So uh, I don't yeah. know if Hoyt Sherman's ever sold as much beer no. as he did the night that I was at Jamie Johnson. Yeah, they are good at that. They're very good at drinking. Okay, so we'll get into more of this year's, but I, I this festival thing to me has kind of, it's got this like mainstream like flashlight on it now yeah. because of these documentaries that have right. come out. Yeah. So Firefest is the the jaw roll thing. Aiden here's so young. God's honest quote he gave to me because we were talking about this before you came in, and he goes, "Was was the Ja Rule was did, was he ever even popular? Only thing I know him about is Firefest. Like, yeah, he was pretty big there for a while. Absolutely. I mean, he played he, the Drake Relays. Um, I went to an after party <laughs> at Valair with Ja Rule that he showed up for like one song. Yeah, I, he was he was pretty big. I yeah. I got um, window shot out leaving his concert in Omaha. Really? Yeah. I don't know what happened, but something me and my buddy were doing in his old uh, Monte Carlo. We got the pack of his window shot out. Oh we didn't even do anything. Like, we weren't in a fight or anything. It's a bad situation. Jo no. So this Firefest thing becomes viral. Yeah. I believe that was even during the pandemic or around there. So everybody's at home watching these things, talking about them. And then. HBO comes out with the Woodstock night. There were two docs on Woodstock 99 too. So we yeah. have like all of these festival documentaries coming out and it shows like the absolute worst case scenario. Like, Oh yeah. Firefest was worst case scenario. It was. Yeah. It was, you know, th there's parts, there's parts of things that happen in there. You're like, I could see how that could happen. And then there's parts where like, Oh, this guy's a con artist. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that's kind of the whole thing with the fire. And I've, I've seen that one. I haven't watched the, the um uh the Woodstock 99 one I just haven't seen it yet but you know I'd love I know what happens <laughs> will you watch it and then yeah, come back in absolutely. and we'll do a review yeah and we'll talk because I bet there's a lot of people who would love it's like it's, a um, breakdown on that one because yeah. it's it's right in the era when we were how old are you I am uh 40 this year okay I'm 39 so yeah. we're the exact same age yeah. and that's like the era where we were all in high school and like you know you got Kid Rock, DMX, like you're what a powder keg. You got Papa Roach, you got Chili Peppers. You know, it, it was just, just crazy. All the big stuff, and like some of that's like pretty heavy music. Yeah, you know, and, it got and them it got, all charged up. Yeah, I got very chaotic. I know enough about what happened there to you know kind of speak to it. But I mean, that was like when I don't know if you remember this festival that happened here called Dot Fest. No, I don't remember Ankeny, that. It was in the Ankeny Airfields, and I think it was '99. It was like Bloodhound Gang, The Urge. Um, anyways, a bunch of bands like that, but you know, it, it, I think the issue with that one is like a lot of those are just heavy fans and it was like, I don't know that alcohol, that definitely drugs. alcohol. Um, and just a lot of people, you know, it's, I, I, I do kind of enjoy watching that stuff, but it's like, it, it's definitely can get stressful because you're, that's like, what I'm saying. You, you watch it. You're like, that could happen. That I can't happen. I can't listen to or watch a a game yeah without critiquing the play-by-play -play guy in my head yep, yep that's what i'm saying like would your anxiety yeah. just go through the it roof does, watching yeah. these things and, and honestly i don't watch like music documentaries either for some reason um i don't i don't know what that is but they, they're just not like i i don't know it's not interesting for me to watch it well is it because you live it and you i think just it's because i live break? it and I don't, yeah. yeah so like i'd rather go watch another industry i think we've talked about that like I like sports, right? Like because well, it's that's not why we're work. good because yeah. I can kind of inside you on sports, right. and then I can pick your brain on that's this. That's right. Stuff. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the interesting things that had happened, you know, this the Travis Scott thing. Um, 
you know, rewind, I think that was like two years ago, his Astro World Festival down in um, Houston, right? Where those those kids got crushed. Mm-hmm. It was like a, um, and it was basically just from the weight of other people's body moving. And like, you know, he got a lot of criticism for that. Um, and I mean, he got sued and all that. And when I just look at that, I'm like, you know, part of this is just like, this is his music, you know? It's very aggressive. Like, he, you know, like he tells people like, this is like, you'll go crazy, right? And then I remembered back to when we did Travis Scott and, you know, the precautions they took, like they came into the venue, they said that barricade right there is not good enough, right? It's a barricade we'd used for a day to remember all these heavy, heavy shows. And they're like, no, we know the crowd. This will be the craziest crowd we ever have. Um, They also like, they didn't play music leading up to him because they didn't want people to get too excited. Mm. And so like they're, you know, to me, I was like this, they understand what they're, what's happening with their fans. And to a certain extent, like some of this has to be on the fans a little bit, right? Like not, not, certainly not the people that died in it, but like people were pushing, right? Like this is, this is just like what happens at concerts and it's not new, you know, like this has happened at rock concerts. Feels like your vibe is way more chill. Like, yeah. I kind of envision your people, everybody's holding hands and, <laughs> you know, at Hinterland, 100. percent Yeah, yeah th- that's like you know the police tell us like we we've done two different festivals, right? We've done a big country festival and then we do Hinterland, and the police that work our festival are like we like working Hinterland. Everybody just wants to hang out. It's got a Coachella vibe to it, yeah. but it's in a in the country. Yeah, there's no fights. You know, like, um, you know, is it the people or is it the acts you're booking? Mostly, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like people don't go too crazy on alcohol. One. Um, they, they, um, they're certainly drinking, but it's like, you know, it's a long day. People pace themselves. It's hot. It's August. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting old. Yeah. Like I totally respect that now. Absolutely. 10 years ago, I'd have been like, no, man, I know. Let's have 10 down before noon. I know. Now it's like, no, now I'm like switching NAs, right? Yeah. I'll do NA regular, (laughs) NA regular, and just be thinking about how my next day feels. Exactly. (laughs) You just can't handle it like you did. It's uh and and so like it's it's a little bit of that people are are calm um you know there's probably some extracurriculars that are happening that you know can't control chilling people out you know um, but like also the vibe down there like you just look around and it's just peaceful yeah there's absolutely. not sirens there's not buildings it's just crickets yep yep there's lightning bugs you know yeah yeah I think that that's totally it too and then like you know people want to be there staff um they enjoy it um. You know, that's a big part of it. Your first entry, you know, when you come into a festival, the first person you're going to see is a staff member. So if they're having a good time and they're not chaotic, right, then it kind of sets the tone. So when you you said you're working on Bingham, which would be, I'm a huge Bingham fan. When do you hope to have, like on a given year, the next year's festival done? You know, it's gotten earlier for me. Um I will say that like this year has been an interesting one because normally well, I've, I have three headline offers in right now. And then I got some like early day stuff. Normally I'd be pushing a little bit more. I'm not because um, over the last year or two years, there's been a lot of new festivals, which has basically raised the price for a lot of these artists. Mm. Um, and so I've just been kind of chilling and waiting to see what happens with some of these other festivals. Cause it's, it's a very, um, uh, risky endeavor doing a festival. So some of those festivals naturally will not happen, which means 
are, they won't be able to put offers in for next year. Yeah. So I'm waiting for a little bit of that to happen right now where your last year, my goal was to go early and uh, try to get these offers in before, um, you know, all the other festivals went in. Feels like the music industry too. I mean, when we were kids, people were buying tapes and CDs like crazy. Then for a while, everybody was just stealing it. Yeah. And then now we've got, you know, you've got Spotify, you've got Apple Music, you've got all these different things. Is the is the artist more reliant on touring now? Yeah. It feels totally. like they would be. And like, does, how does that? Because I would think yeah. that they're touring more so they would charge less. Yeah. Just a supply and demand thing, but from what I'm hearing, it may be different. Yeah, so it's it's kind of complex here. Um, there's so the festivals often preclude them from being able to do a full tour because they're flying around from place to place. So naturally, agents tend to uh, they be, they make commission, right? An agent makes commission, so they like the payday on that festival. The commission on the festivals typically you're paying an artist like four or five times what they'd get in a club show. Um, what they don't like is that it knocks out uh, the rest of the week. So they can't book like a, a tour of five dates or whatever. They, they got to jump from, you know, Newport Folk Festival over to Hinterland. And then where are you going to play around these areas? You know, um, because festivals like when I'm paying five times what an artist is worth, I'm asking for um, some exclusions when it comes to markets. Right. Like I'll say, you know, you're not going to play Council Bluffs. You're not going to play Iowa City because we're going to play Des Moines. Right. Mm -hmm. Festival. Um, that gets difficult and challenging for artists or for agents because, you know, then they it's tough to route. You know, they have to look at other traffic. And so, um, yes, I think artists like festivals. One, you know, back to that tastemaker thing, they're, they're getting put in the right places, you yeah, know, when the, yeah. the festival lineup comes out. But two, it's like they feel like a rock star more than they ever do backstage. You know, touring to me doesn't seem very glamorous. You know, like I understand they all have these million to two million dollar buses that they're all going around in. But generally speaking, it's eight people crammed into one of those in bunks and you're sleeping in like a kennel, you know, it's like, like going from market to market. And then also like super dangerous, Th these things like if they crash, you know. Yeah. So unless you're DMX. Yeah. Right. And you can fly from place to place. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's kind of it's a lot of work to tour. So um, I think that's why artists like it. They, they come in and stay at a hotel and yeah. So when I, when my wife and I try, we go to the Lake of the Ozarks a lot. The one that we always have the nineties on nine on. Mm -hmm. Is that like, it? cause so what you're noticing in movies and even TV shows is that all these nineties things it's are coming fun. back. It's very fun. Yeah. That's absolutely what's happening. Cause they want us to, Oh, Hey, super Mario brothers. Come on kids. I yeah. used to do this when I, and, and, and so she loves matchbox 20. Yeah. It's like her band. Are, is that a thing now? Like yeah. where you're trying to engage the 90s audience? Because it feels like a lot like Boys to Men had a big tour. I'm talking more for like Woolies and stuff yeah. like that now. Do you think that's going to be a thing? I mean, absolutely. Those bands, Third Eye Blind, all those bands are, you know, definitely they're the new 80s band. Right. God. And I think it's yeah, like it's the, that's a scary way to put it. Knowing like. I've only been a part of really like three different decades. I mean, I don't even, I was born in the eighties, but you know, I wasn't other than King Griffey. I wasn't really participating, yeah. you know? So like backwards hat, man, that's right. The kid. But then, but then I, I would say like the nineties were probably the happiest decade, you know, for, for people, or at least for me, you know, it's like you're, you're, yeah. you're and so it's because we didn't have social media. 
Yeah. We didn't know any better. Yep. We just thought you're that playing, you're running, you know. Everybody watched, you know, the same shows. Yep. And then, oh, did you see Saved by the Bell That's on right. Saturday? Like, Home man, improvement. Yeah. Slater's going to Iowa. Yeah. You know, yeah. You didn't, you couldn't just go and get on Messenger and we didn't really have like, it didn't, you could tell if somebody was rich and somebody was poor, but it wasn't nearly as obvious. That's right. Cause we all just kind of like existed together. And now, yeah. you know, you can, you can connect with anybody and well, yeah. And I think it's like, you know, things got serious in the early two thousands and, and nineties were pretty much just like, you know, let's have fun. Right. Outside of like some certain genres in certain cities that may have been like influenced by like drug culture. Right. Like I'm thinking like grunge. Right. But like, generally speaking, all the music is really fun. And, and so I think it's like, Oh, you got to watch the Woodstock yeah. on Limp Bizkit. Yeah. It'll change your mind on that in a hurry. <laughs> I should probably watch it. It pops up. Like my algorithm thinks I should watch it. So, um, but I yeah, get it though. Like the, it, yeah. Like the I, culture of the nineties, like we're, we're borrowing from that a lot, you know, as we like do branding and, um, you know, merchandise and, you know, I was just in Japan last week and it's like, that's how everybody's dressing too. Like this, like oversized t-shirt, big pants, you know, and the um, like acid wash jeans are yeah. coming back. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you're doing that with the barcades. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Eighties, nineties. Yeah. I mean, we've got, you know, a lot of nineties games too. Yeah. Nostalgia is pretty powerful for people. And, you know, I think that's why up down works so great. Yeah. Cause you go in there and like, there's, there's really not a lot of people on cell phones and stuff no. either. No, we'll, and we play like, you know, old WWE or, you know, yeah. American gladiators or whatever up on the TVs. And yeah. a lot of our stuff is just, you know, hodgepodge, like stuff all over that, you know, based on the, the, the area we're in, we'll have, you know, some cool murals. So if I'm correct, you recently purchased the Valor Ballroom. Yep. As well. So what's our vision for that? I went to a Nelly concert there once. Nelly. Oh, it was man. really depressing. Yeah. I remember when that happened. I didn't go. Was that recent? He played that it was twice. like four or five years ago. Okay. I the say. most recent. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's going to be, um, you know, the layout is the same. Um, the issue with that place is, you know, when it was built, it was built cheap and then it wasn't upkept. So we're, we're, we're fixing everything. And then we're also doing stuff that should have been done when it was built, you know, back in the thirties. Right. And so, and then also adding, you know, some, some safety and, you know, modern touches. I mean, the place didn't have a central um, alarm system. It didn't have like for like fire safety. So, so all these things just had to be done. Yeah. And, and so knocking some of those things out, um, you know, working on accessibility um, production was a big one for me, making sure that any band could play on the stage. So we, we, we made the stage area a lot taller. Um, and then, uh, you know, it was basically just a tin shed. So we, we added density on both sides of the roof um, to, to make sure the sound wasn't escaping into the neighborhoods. That was a big concern when mm. we opened is, or when we bought it was just, you know, taking care of it. The, the, the booking stuff's easy. Like, we'll just get that. We'll, we'll make it busy. That, what, what type of artist? I mean, do you, how do you differentiate that from Woolies? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I get it to a point, yep. but I could also see some of those people that I've, that I've gone to at Woolies be like, oh, that'd be a decent venue. Right. Yeah, it's like we're looking at, um, you know, stuff that comes out of Woolies, like gets too big for Woolies or stuff that's on its way to the arenas, you know? Got um, it. Okay. And then also on the way back, the way back down, you know, some artists will, will play arenas and then they won't be able to stay in arenas. So 
they'll want to go play a club like that. Well, I, I love what you're doing because obviously what we're doing here is locally owned. Yeah. Uh, I don't think all corporations are the devil. It's not what I'm trying to do. But I also realize that in this industry, in, in our city, we need local people pulling strings. Absolutely. Because yeah. especially I would think like, I would guess in the concert business, like we are a very engaged community, right? Being Des Moines, but still from a macro standpoint, if you're headquartered in Manhattan, we're still pretty small. Absolutely. So you've got to add that local pull. Yeah. And it feels like you're really tugging at the right strings from the music standpoint. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can use it as a currency too, right? Like the, the agent's, they they want to play with the small guy, right? Sometimes like that works. That that narrative can really help us land shows that we wouldn't normally get, right? Um, an, an example would be like, you know, this Jack White tour that went out was a Live Nation tour, which means it played all Live Nation rooms um, except maybe two. Valair was one of it, right? So certain artists also recognize that these are the rooms that we want to play in. They want to play in the right rooms, and and so like we own the right room now. Um, and, and that'll make it a lot easier for us to book. So you, I'm, I'm fascinated by your entrepreneurial spirit as well, because that's kind of the same thing that I have flowing within sure. my veins, which is why I'm not just a, you know, I, I, I could have just been a sports writer, um, which I really enjoyed doing, but it was also like, I always craved doing more. Like right. what can we build today yeah. for, for tomorrow? And, and you're doing that in music. So I kind of started, Sam, like I started doing internet stuff in 2004 when the internet was just a baby, but I never really wanted to write for a newspaper. Yeah. Like it never interests me. And I was reading something the Iowa State Alumni Association did with you that you were starting to like sell for, you were like booking shows for like the M shop at Iowa State at a young age. Like when, when did you kind of feel like, oh, this is what I was meant to do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, well, like when we're talking entrepreneurialism, like that we probably both learned like when we were in our like teens, right? Like when we're like Williams lawn lawn. service. Yeah, exactly. I mowed lawns (laughs) and like, you know, I mean, my dad would take me around in his truck and, um, you know, I used to go gather golf balls and sell those to, you know, on the tees. But like when I, when I realized that this could be a possible, um, profession, I think was like, you know, I, I started doing it the end of high school. Um, I realized that like I could put together a bunch of bands from my high school that were slightly different and then they would all bring different crowds and I can sell more tickets. Right. So like I got a taste of it. Then we did like 330 people at the botanical center in a room that was, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, but like that was most of my class. And, and so, um, that was like when I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then I did some like real concerts Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the first ones I did was a band I liked. I got a a, um, a compilation uh, for Fall Out Boy. It was them and Less Than Jake, like a split CD. And I reached out to the bass player Pete and and then booked a show in Des Moines at Vaudeville Muse in 2003. So, um, you know, I, I started going to school in 2002 and graduated in 06. I think I switched a million times, right? Like I went in for electrical engineering and came out. Marketing. That sounds boring. I know. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine like, you know, the only reason I liked it was because I was going to, um, 
I was I was going to like garage sales and pawn shops and buying electronics and then trying to broken ones and then trying to fix them and then flip them, right? So I was like, okay. So that's an entrepreneurial I'll go to school yeah. for this. And yeah. and then we'll um you know, and then we'll uh anyway, it, it, there's a lot of math, right? Like and so it didn't work out. Switched to marketing, you know, went did like some pre-law stuff. And then I, I did a Fall Out Boy show in 2005 at Bel Air and sold out. You know, I made like, I don't know, like 10,000 bucks on it. And I... Which you're living like a king. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 10,000 bucks in college. Yeah, absolutely. I'd also found poker at the same time. So it was like things were going really well. Oh, God, the online poker craze. It, it was when you could actually make money online. And yeah. so like, um, it, yeah, it was... It the was old like really, Bodog? I was on uh, Ultimate Bet. Oh, the one okay. where they started looking at your whole cards. Yeah. God, the I I'd sit there on Bodog like in the middle of class, man, playing blackjack and stuff, yeah. and it's just like it's so stupid. Like, what are you paying to go to college for if I you're know. not even paying? It, you're sitting there playing poker, losing money. I know it was, uh, yeah that that was um, that was like my like 2005, 2006. Uh, I, I I went and I um, so I was just booking like maybe 20 shows a year. Went and uh, got a job at um, let's see where I got a job. I got a job at the casino. Um, naturally, 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. dealing blackjack, and then I would go do my concerts during the day, like work, and and it. I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I gotta let this go. And I think that's like when people ask me how to start a business, that's what I tell them: go find two jobs and then quit one. You know. So did did you want to ever like be a musician? No, you just wanted to do this side of it. That's yeah. fascinating. I'm uh, I have no patience, you know, um, and just watching like my wife plays guitar. So like watching her practice and stuff is just, I cannot, you know, like it's so much work. Oh you know? yeah. And, and then I'm also a, a fairly like, like private person. Right. So like, I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't, the idea of being on stage is mortifying, you know? <laughs> so yeah. You just want to put the people on yeah. stage, make them look good and yeah, do absolutely. the business side of it. Yep. And that's, you know, and I work with like agents quite a bit, managers quite a bit. Um, and then my staff is probably my most well, direct. You're, you're a likable guy. Like, yeah. I, I, I feel like a, I hope so. Well, I, like, I don't know. And I don't know your industry. Yeah. But I would guess that a lot of guys in your spots are kind of jerks. Yeah. There's definitely like, a time you have to turn it on, you know, um, you know, cause you're going to get pushed around. Exactly. You got to be firm. There's certainly times where I have crossed that line, you know, and, and maybe burned a bridge. Right. Um, but you know, that's just being human and, you know, learning. Do you, do you ever, I think it takes a special person to do what you're talking about with these artists to be like, yeah, I'll do anything for this guy. And I understand it's business. Yeah. I've gotten to the point with some athletes, not really, um, like college athletes, more coaches where at some point I'm just like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Like I'm not doing it. Like yeah. I'm not kissing up to you like everybody else. Where yeah. when it's a bad, I know it's a bad business decision, but it's also like, okay, um, Sturgill Simpson, he's gonna sell it, but he's still just a human. Hundred percent. You know, he's just a <laughs> yeah. human being. If he were sitting here with us right now, yep. You know, he bleeds just like we I do. Know. He has emotion. Yeah. Like, how do you juggle that? Yeah, it's um. There are times where you just got to be like, no, we're not doing that guy's shows i don't care right like yeah. i don't care if he sells tickets he's a jerk he yelled at my staff you know whatever yeah. um that happens occasionally you know usually i'm just like i can move on quick so if i have some sort of issue with an artist or it, that's very rare um artists are typically not part of the picture um when it comes to like these conversations they're the shielded agent. yeah 
Um, but yeah, there's been times where it's just like, I'll tell my staff, like, we're not working on their shows right now. You know, like this is, is there like a certain clearly don't name names, yeah. but it's just like, we're not, we're not working with that agent anymore. Yeah. Typically it's like someone who doesn't leave any money for anyone else, but themselves, Yeah, you know, and you got to make everybody whole for the industry to be healthy. Yeah. And, and, you know, so there's, there's an, there's an agency out there that understands every part of the agents every part of the business, they've been on every part of it and they want all of it, right? Now, the bigger your artist gets, the more you can demand, right? Like there's there's artists out there, um, you know, I, this is public information. So like Jimmy Jimmy Buffett or whatever, right? Like he's probably making 110% of the gross, right? Because they know that his fans are gonna come in, they're gonna sell every beer in the arena, they're gonna sell every beer outside the arena and then they'll make money. So like, when you're cutting deals, I tell my staff all the time, it's like a deal for this person is going to be way different than a deal for this person, right? Like I get it that normally we, we want to make money on every dollar, but like when it comes to, you know, this artist, like the stakes are so much higher, right? Like we can, this is no risk to us, right? So like we can, we can shave it and make just a little bit, right? And so that happens and, you know, it just depends. Um, I'd say like personalities rarely would be a reason for me not to work with somebody. It's mostly just because like it doesn't work from a business standpoint. I can I can usually get over personalities pretty easily. I, I feel like in this state, specifically in this market, yeah. like I've seen media guys come through here who are East Coast and they treat everybody like East yeah. Coast and it doesn't work. Yeah. If it's a coach, if it's a talk radio, like you just you kind of have to be Iowan. Yeah. Like not not literally, but people around here, like you said, protecting your staff and stuff like right. that. Like they, there's a certain level of decorum that you got to have in this market. Yep. Yep. And I mean, you, you know, that's important to stand up for your staff, right. And in, in certain moments and um, you know, that helps build good businesses as well. Um, you know, I think one interesting thing, and I'd be curious on your perspective, but when um, you know, certain artists, right. That, you know, I've had, I, I used to be a little bit closer with artists and, you know, try to be friendly and, you know, meet them and whatnot. And I don't do that anymore. And I'm just, I'm wondering, like, you know, I've, I've reflected on that a little bit of why I am the way I am. And I think it's cause like early on I would, um, when I would become, you know, a, you know, I'd be, I'd become friends with an artist that would get really big. And then it was like, boom, gone, no contact, right. No longer connecting with the people from before. And to me, like, you know, one that hurt. And then two is like, you know, I'm not going to waste my time with it. I'll, I, I have friends here. Like let, this I is totally just, agree. Yeah. This is just me. I'm just going to be friends with my friends. And then these are business relationships. And so, you know, I'd be curious, like, I'm sure that happens. Occasionally. Oh yeah. The, the yeah. heart when I was younger, yeah. big time, because I didn't have a family. Yeah. Young. Um, you're oftentimes at the same events. Right. With coaches mainly, you know, not really never that, players especially back then because players couldn't get paid for anything they couldn't be at any of these things sure certainly different now i have way more interaction with players now than i ever did because of the nil thing yep but yeah you would go out and have a few beers afterwards and then all of a sudden this guy is the head coach here and yeah and it's like cut yeah. off and like you know I, i've i feel like i've done a pretty good job of the ones that are like true friendships you you stay in touch with i mean a guy like Greg McDermott's an example. Like sure. he, it's funny. He's texted me or called me on my birthday every year <laughs> <That's> <laughs> since awesome. he, my yeah. birthday was last week. And like, 
I always know, like he always reaches out to me and like, he's just a really good guy like that. But yeah, it's, it's really no different. Like there's good people in the industry and there's bad and you can generally tell like Gene Chizik was a guy who the first time I met him, I knew that this isn't going to be good. Yep. Like this isn't going to, and I didn't ever have like an, like a adversarial relationship with him. I knew it wasn't going to be good though. You could just tell this guy doesn't give a crap about me or what I do, and that's fine. This is clearly transactional right. on both sides. Yeah. He wasn't a bad guy. Sure. It was very different than Dan McCartney. Yeah. Where Dan McCartney knew your mom's name, you know, he knew your dog's birthday. Like, right. <laughs> it's just Dan. I feel like that's like a very Iowa thing, you know, like where, you know, we care about people and try to keep those like relationships up and stuff. And, I mean, I get, you know, some people just get so big. It's like their world is a bubble now. I just hate that. That's my hardest part. The older I get, it's just like, you've got to have people to tell you no. Yeah. That you can't, you're, nobody's right all the time. Right. Yeah. And these coaches oftentimes, like they get so powerful. (laughs) Oh yeah. In these athletic departments that they, they're never told no. Right. I mean, and then, yeah. And then they, you watch them, like you watch who they were the first year and then you watch who they are in year 10 and it's, but you also see how these corruptions happen within these athletic departments, like how an art Bryles deal at Baylor with these sexual assaults could. Yeah. I could see how in a town like Waco, like that the cops would be involved in like this cover up. Like I totally understand it. No one has stopped that person and told them like, Hey, no. (laughs) And they've been told, you know, you're a God because you took us to the yeah. whatever bowl game or, or whatever. And then yep. like, and everywhere these people go, they're constantly being asked for selfies. They're constantly in demand and they start to just buy into the hype. And eventually it's, you're just too far gone. And then, and then when they don't win in my world, then it, they're always it's always, there's a reason why. And it's never, Hey, you know, I just didn't coach the team very well or recruiting slipped. And I would, I would imagine a lot of these artists, it's like, they're not selling tickets now. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And that's when they turn into a, yeah, problem. It's yeah. I mean, I think like, I don't know. So many of the artists are so insulated, right? Like one, because of their personalities, you know, they don't, they, they can't be part of these conversations, you know, when it comes to like, business or, you know, anything that would be like, you know, a a difficult conversation. So I think they just kind of keep them out and act like everything's, you know, all good. Um, I mean, I'm sure, you know, that's, that's what happened. You know, if if we're thinking about like Travis Scott, when that was all going down, I'm sure like he doesn't even know what's going on stage on, on stage, you know, like he's like, they're not going to bring that to him. And so that, that part is interesting too. You know, they're just, yeah, completely insulated from. Yeah, reality. insulated's perfect, especially in college football. Like yeah. you, you see it a lot, but I, I truly believe that these are good people that yeah. are in any of these people that we're talking about, if it's in your world or mine, that are in these super unnatural positions. Yeah. The most unnatural communi- the communication you'll ever find is a press conference. <laughs> guy just got his r- heart ripped out on the field oh my gosh hey coach that was a terrible decision to punt why did you do that yeah and then like now it's 10 times worse because there's cell phones going yeah in the second after a coach has a bad moment on a 
press conference we tweeted out. Right. We also were putting snippets out. So a guy could talk for three minutes, given a really great answer. But one reporter will choose to post two sentences. And the audience also doesn't get the perspective of how the question was asked. Was it asked right. in a positive verbal tone? Was it asked snarky? Right. Yeah. Like it. So I, I am also very sympathetic to the coaches that I cover because it's not, it's not natural. Right. Like, we weren't, in, like, we're not wired as humans to do this. Right. Especially if you go in, like you watch one of like these NFL pressers or something like post game where the team lost or something. It's like, they're already beyond triggered and you're like, now you're just poking and, and to get reactions. So yeah. it's just like, it's to like get these big, like, reactions that they can talk about yeah it's always that, that part seems very caged animal to me yeah. like there's poking sticks and you know i don't like it I, yeah or aaron i mean i'd like notoriously just watching like aaron Rodgers things he doesn't want to be there <laughs> you know like and they're just asking him all these questions and like you're just, just like wants to kill whoever is asking him the question the most natural way to do it that i've stumbled upon in my time is locker room access yeah which gets really tricky with college kids yeah but when they do do it in the postseason, it's so much more natural. Yeah. As opposed to when we put them up on a pedestal and then you have all the minions down, literally down below them. Right. You know, they're at their pulpit. Yep. And then here we are. And they, there's 20 of us, there's one of them, and, and it feels like we are attacking them. Yeah. Where in a locker room setting, you can sit down next to the player, you can have a conversation. They give you better access. That's the way I always thought. Absolutely. I think press conferences are just very dated. Right. Well, you, you know, and I'll, I'll just reading sports like Twitter, right? You'll see the comments where people are like, why didn't you ask him this? Why oh, didn't you ask him that? It's, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah th that's because, why. <laughs> so. Yeah. And like, in, and in my defense there, it's like, there's a lot of times it's like, yeah, I get why the fan would want that. Right. Yeah. But you're also the same fan that wants access down the road and you can't just be an asshole all the time just because your readers are emotional about a game correct yeah yep absolutely <laughs> it's it's hard yeah it's really really hard and i i it's the whole thing is just i don't know what the right way to do it is now like it, you try your best every single day yeah but i was thinking about that when you're talking about these like writers and stuff and it's just like man i don't know if i could do that yeah I, I don't mean, know if I could. There, there's certain ones. It's like, yeah, you, you'll see, you'll see things. That, I mean, yeah, we don't shop every writer, right? Like, yeah. th there's certain things that you're an opening act on a five band bill, where and the show's doing 200 people. Like, you know, go through your headliner. You know, come back with a reasonable writer. <laughs> um, yeah. And and you know, sometimes that's easy. It's just like point, like, hey, this this budget here is for the headliner and. You know they need to distribute it how they'd like to. It's two hundred dollars. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there's there's been some funny ones. I mean, you get like yeah, cowboy hats. There's certainly ones where you're like, is this real? You know, but it's the it doesn't cost the much Snoop to go. one's crazy. Yeah, I don't even understand why. Like, who cares if the TV's new? Right. Why does that matter? It yeah. doesn't matter. Like, why? And I and when the show's doing well though, it's like you're gonna pay for it because it's his money. Right, like because they the, the way these deals are structured is they get a percentage yeah. of whatever money is left over. So it's it's mostly all their money paying for it. So it's like if you want to spend your money on that, 
Absolutely. And so th- does he just leave the Xbox when he's done? I don't remember ha- what happened at that show. Um, you because know. like my thing is like, okay, if Snoop's like really into this game, yeah. Let's say he's playing Grand Theft Auto. He, yeah, or, he actually had an Madden. advanced. He had an advanced Madden copy. Okay, Madden. Okay. Yeah. Like, and you're playing your franchise mode. Wouldn't you just bring your own? Like, right. you got a guy. Like, could, you wouldn't like you play? Maybe your favorite is the fresh out of the box controller. You know. Okay. <laughs> But like, wouldn't you just want to like be able to pick up where you left off? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you can do that now with the kids. You can you, just you sign couldn't, in. You couldn't yeah. then in 2011. Yeah, Another he, funny thing with Snoop was, you know, he he um we rented him 20 rooms. I believe is you know a, a hotel downtown. The entire top floor. Um, they have a no smoking policy at this hotel. This is a problem. Yeah, and and so Snoop Dogg. They you know they want a deposit. They 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 get what's gonna happen. So they wanna they want a deposit for every room. So his manager calls and they're like, okay, here's here's this. You know, he will smoke and all of they'll, they'll all be smoked in. You know, so make sure it's the right amount. So he just paid two hundred fifty bucks for each room. You know, and smoked in all of them. So that's that's the kind of money to, that gets wasted on tour. To be Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Last thing for me uh, is so we're looking forward to this year's festival we've been promoting it for a month here on iowa everywhere do what do you do you have like a 10-year like where you want this to be or are we already there what do what do you what's the future of the music scene i guess everything that you're involved in yeah um when it comes to hinterland i think it's like just doing you know usually i start to get clarity by before the other festival plays and like i said i've got offers in for headliners next year and i think it would go as long as I had clarity, you know, on like what I was going to do the next year, because I'm not going to do it just to do it. It is really stressful, um, but it's worth it right now. So, you know, I figure this keeps going forever right now in my mind. Um, And, um, you know, I think how it I'd like to keep it intimate, like 15,000 is intimate for a festival, Um, you know, like Bonnaroo or some of these others are like 100,000 people. It's a lot of people. So keeping it single stage, you know, that's something that's important to me. Um, keeping it in the country is important. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, those things will kind of stay constant and we'll, we'll work around with lineups and branding every year. Here's so, my question. Yeah. That first year you go out there, do you know how many porta potties to bring? There's race. There's, there's actually a formula. Oh, there, yeah. <laughs> okay. There's, I'm like, yeah, I don't know how much these people are going to drink. I mean, they, yeah. you got, yeah, it's uh, how much. Yeah, yeah, that would be that. That's what would stress me out. Do I have enough porta potties? Yeah, there, there's a formula, but there's also like you, you have to kind of give on both sides because like some artists people don't drink as much, right? But if I'm doing co Wetzel, like you know, these people are drinking a lot, and so like you need more porta potties than your normal. It's one per hundred. Because you hear those horror stories of the overflowing, overflowing. porta potty. That's the worst. Like if you want to be con, con- if you want to be compared to Firefest, like. Hashtag Firefest. Your your the facilities are a huge deal. Yes. Yep, and and it can go bad quick. So just like, you know, being so ready you're for stepping those in it because it's like leaking all over the place. That's right. I mean, the things to really like watch. You know that I've learned over the year: porta potties, water, food, all your your needs. You know. <laughs> oh, you got to watch the Woodstock one on the water. Yeah, yeah. They're like gouging people like ten dollars for a bottle of water. These people are all just like, like dehydrating in the background like it's just crazy yeah that's a scary one you know like, yeah like i mean you get that absolutely festivals gotta, in the hundreds probably yeah we were 100 degrees last year and i remember having to bring some additional so the the, the big thing in festivals and most places now is just the refilling right so you have refillable water stations 
people come in, bring their own bottles and, you know, you can buy it too, but it's, it's become expected to have refillable water stations. So just when it gets really hot like that, you know, we reallocated stuff from camping area over to the festival grounds area. Just, you know, that's all when you're, when you're at a show and it's a hundred, 105 degrees, you're just thinking about surviving, you know, you're not trying to drink booze. You're just drinking water, you know, and finding, you would be an idiot to be, yeah. crushing beers when it's 105 degrees yep yeah well you know that was a nice thing last year it's like no serious issues with that boy with alcohol just that's where the problems usually start though it really is yeah it's i'm um, finally grasping this i'm almost 40 and it's like think of all the stupid things you've done in your life there's one common denominator yep <laughs> it's uh it's it's you know it's fun but yeah it, <laughs> well when you get fifteen thousand people though like yeah that's you got a great thing, Sam. Thanks. I'm, I'm just really impressed, and we got to do this when we have more. We're going to do this again because we have some other common interests. We want to talk stocks. Stocks. I mean, I'd love to talk about trading cards too. Oh my god! So. Yeah, I just got back into that game. Yeah, it's fun. So well, I just when Brock Purdy, when he started his first game, I bought my first trading card in 15 years. Probably more than that, because I was like, "What if he's the next Brady?" You know, Absolutely. that's that's my guy. Like we, you know, I can always say this. This is my claim to fame with Brock Purdy. I'll I'll hang my hat on it. The the day nil became legal, we ran out our Brock Purdy T shirt with him. And, really? Yeah. That's and awesome. sold the shit out of him too. Like yeah. people love Brock Purdy, man. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. Brock Purdy getting engaged was one of the most in, engaged um, social posts we've had in years. Really. Yeah, because Iowa State fans just love this guy. Yeah. How yeah. do you not? That's the nice thing is like, you know, our, our state is so supportive of their people. Like you the know? Caitlin Clark thing, right? It, absolutely. My God. I mean, she she's beating, you know, I, I was looking at the NIL ranking. I mean, she's up there pretty high. I, she, I figured she'd be higher, but yeah. I think that she probably would be if, yeah. I don't know what that formula was. It might is. be guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, my big collection was the, the I, I went all in on Talon Horton Tucker. I nice. thought I could corner the market. So that a boy. <laughs> did you ever get into the uh, NFT cards? I didn't. I mean, I you know I got what uh, top shots. Yeah, yeah. I that too. I got a few of those. It was kind of fun. But man, I made a really good killing on it early. Yeah, and then I probably given it all back because I have, I probably owned sixty of them, it but crashed, they've lost like yeah. no, they have like no value. Now. They crashed around the same time that like you know, Bitcoin was or like some of yeah. the, not, not Bitcoin necessarily, but some of these other ones. And I think, you know, this, the speculative assets, like everything's being sucked out of them right now. So hopefully they have a big comeback. That'd be cool. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that for another show. Yeah. Maybe by next show. Yeah. We'll save that for another show. Cause I want to bring Sam in and we'll talk about all that stuff. Cause we have so much. And I think that that's what you and I both do in our free time. Cause I don't want to read about sports at night. Yeah. And you're not wanting, you're not opening up Rolling Stone. It feels like that's right. Yeah, and there's no, there's no investment to read you know, to read sports for me. It's like it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> where I'm reading about concerts, I'm like, oh, that could happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just trying so, to find the next Amazon. Yeah, there that's you go. I, <laughs> I think we're both trying to do that. So <laughs> that's yeah. the problem. If idiots like us would just put our money into a S and P 500 fund, we'd probably yeah. be a lot better. That's right. Or well, tes- or Tesla. Or Tesla. Yeah, just yeah. keep pounding it into Tesla. Thank you for everything and, and supporting our venture. And we're, hopefully we've sold a bunch of tickets for you. Yeah. And cheers to a 
awesome festival coming up here in the first weekend of August. Awesome. Thanks, man. It, I'm looking forward to it. This Zach Bryan, he's just nonstop in my truck good. these days. So yeah. you've, you've, you, you tell if you see him, you'd be like, the biggest hack media guy in Iowa has become obsessed with you. That's awesome. All because of Hinterland. You know, he was wearing an Iowa State wrestling oh. shirt. When I did a show for him in Council Bluffs, and he was actually wearing an ISU wrestling shirt. That's so, sick. Yeah. That's sick. All right, he is Sam Summers. Uh, support all of his great ventures. I want to make sure I name them all. Yep. So you got Ernie's. We've got Woolies. We've got Up Down. Now the Valor Ballroom. What else am I missing? Hinterland. And, Hinterland, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Awesome. You got a lot of good stuff going on. Thank you. Thank you. He's Thanks Sam Summers. Me. He will be back on the CW Pod, I promise. Awesome. Really smart guy. Appreciate him coming on. And two guys named Chris coming up on Thursday morning here on Iowa Everywhere. Iowa Everywhere.